welcome to the Naughty Child podcast. I'm Richard. And I'm Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. And today we're going to be speaking to cricketer Alex Hartley. How do you do it, Polly? How do you find these celebs to come on our podcast? It's just my charm, you know. <laughs> it's amazing, yes. So uh, we've invited Alex to come along and answer some questions about cricket. Now, Alex is someone we've met before. Yeah, we've actually seen her before because she was in the uh, winning team at the 2017 Cricket World Cup. So we saw England win and we've spoken about that before. So we do speak to her in this episode about that. Um, And yeah, we're very excited to have her on. So a few weeks ago, we had um, Kate Cross, who's also a cricketer. And um, together, Kay and Alex have a podcast of their own. Um, So yeah, we're very excited to speak to her. Um, And I think Alex is amazing in my book because she's part of the Test Match Special team. Yeah. And Test Match Special is something I've grown up my whole life listening to. So now she still plays cricket, Mm -hmm. uh, but is developing quite a a big sideline in journalism Mm -hmm. and commentary and so on with some of the big cricket broadcasters. And so to be a commentator on Test Match Special is just absolutely amazing. So we hope you enjoy this episode and we'll see you next week. Hello. Hi. Hello there, Alex. Hi, how are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, very good. Good, good. What have you been up to today? Um, I'm moving house, so I'm currently sat in a load of boxes, waiting, then just having te- having a bit of time off to do this podcast. <laughs> oh, no. oh wow, that's a bit stressful. It has. It's been a very stressful day. Oh well, so I mean, so... version of myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're so grateful that you're uh, you're giving your time up. It's absolutely amazing. No problem. No problem at all. So shall we? Yeah, let's, okay. ask, let's ask some questions. I think that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're kind of just going to start off with um, your childhood and like growing up. So um, at school, like what, what were you good at and what did you enjoy? Because I'm currently in year 11, so I'm doing my GCSE. So yeah, what did you enjoy? Um, I didn't really enjoy school, to be completely honest with you. Um, PE, I absolutely loved in PE at school. Um, quite like geography. I did my geography GCSE. Um, in year nine um but other than that it was sort of a just get through school and um, didn't have very many friends when I was at school I was always sort of the odd one because playing cricket um with the boys at school obviously doesn't get you very many girlfriends um so yeah it was school for me was a bit of a weird one Um, a lot of people say they loved school and they'd go back but for me it was a sort of just get through and and see what's next Mm -hmm. um and were there any teachers that really inspired you? Not not necessarily related to sport, but that just generally really inspired you? Um, I had a maths teacher called Mr. Barker, and he, I didn't actually know at the time, but he's a cricket umpire or was a cricket umpire um, on the weekends. And I never knew um, until obviously I left school, started playing cricket for my men's team. And he was the umpire and I was like, hang on a minute, you've been teaching me maths. So yeah, he, he was a brilliant influence. Oh, fantastic. It is funny when things like that happen, isn't it? And you see people out of context and it is, you have to sort of double take, don't you? And yeah. I'm, in, I'm interested. Um, 
so I'm I'm police dad. I'm Richard, and we're um, I'm a teacher. That's that's my job. So I'm interested about what you your ambitions were uh, when you were at school, or what career you had in mind, and and so on. Is it are, are you is it Clitheroe you're from? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew um, up so same neck of the woods okay yeah um career options when I was growing up I never really knew what I wanted to get into or what I wanted to do um I did a wide a wide range of subjects to sort of see what I enjoyed um but there was never anything that was nailed down for me a lot of people go right well I want to be a lawyer or I want to do this or I want to do that um for me sport was my love um so I really wanted to get into into sport and I suppose from school I sort of just just concentrated on cricket from from the age of 15 16. Oh wow so so you didn't like go to college or anything did you have like a, a cricket role you could go into? Yes yeah, so I went to college but did sport there's um, a BTEC called sport something or other I don't even know what it is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I did that for a year and hated it because it was sort of cricket on the weekends and then studying cricket at, at college and it all got a little bit too much, so I left. And my mum said, well, if you're going to leave college, you're going to have to get a job. So I worked as a will writer in a solicitor's for a while. Um, and then I worked in a bakery while I was sort of just trying my very best to make it a cricket. Wow, that's interesting. A will writer, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was the dullest job. Although it was quite, well, some bits of it were quite interesting when somebody would leave the house to their son, but their cutlery to their daughter okay yeah yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so how did you first get into cricket and what kind of kept you going back to it um I first got into cricket so I played um football with all the lads on my estate and one Friday night they decided they wanted to go up to cricket training so that's what we did uh, I sort of followed them and went up and started playing cricket with them and it was always a bit of a challenge for me. My mum, who's actually just packing boxes for me as I'm doing this. <laughs> my mum was always, she said to me, well, I'm not going to buy you all your equipment. You sort of have to work for it. So if you take a wicket, I'll get you a bat. If you hit four, I'll get you some pads, blah, 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 until you got all your equipment. And I think that challenge sort of kept me at cricket because it was something that I had to work towards to uh, obviously get the success. Yeah, so I've only recently started playing cricket, but it's because I saw my younger brother at training and I was watching him and one of the coaches was like, we've got a women's team, we need people to play, do you want to come along and play? And I was quite, I was a bit hesitant at first because like I've watched a lot of cricket, haven't played much of it and I thought I'm going to be awful, went along, absolutely loved it. Um, so yeah, it's and it's, it's one thing that I really want to in introduce other like especially girls my age and um like people at my school so I go to a girls school and we don't really play cricket and so that's one thing I really want to introduce because I think expanding the game um and introducing more women into it um I think is really important um, yeah I agree um so kind of moving on to your cricket career what setbacks have you had to overcome um, I've had so many setbacks. I would not recommend my journey, cricket journey for anybody. Um, I sort of always had the, you're really good, you're not good enough, like sort of wave. Um, so at the age of 15, I got picked up for the England Academy. And at the age of 17, I got dropped again, purely because I didn't work hard enough. I wasn't good enough. I was very much just a bowler, couldn't bat, couldn't field. Um, if there was 13 batters in a side, I'd, I'd be 14. Like I was terrible at batting so it's something that I didn't work hard enough to get better at 
And once I got dropped from that England Academy, I moved down to Middlesex to try, try and start my career again and get people to look at me in a different way. I started working really hard, then got picked for England, made my debut and uh, then got dropped again. So <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a journey of waves, um, but it's made me really resilient as a person and, and I probably wouldn't change that for the world. That's, that's really interesting. I, I, I've got a question actually uh, following on from that about um, playing for Middlesex because um, coming from the North and going to move to London, that presents a few challenges, doesn't it? I, I certainly found I lived in London for a year when I was in my sort of early to mid twenties. And uh, what were the challenges that you found about living in London? I mean, um, I didn't live there for the first few years. So the commute was obviously massive. I was getting up at you know, five, six o'clock in the morning to, to go cricket training. Um, and then London is just far too busy for me. They're, everyone's really rude. Nobody like steps out. You're carrying a massive cricket bag through the middle of London. People just look at you like you're strange. They don't ask if you want a hand or anything. Um, they run past you to get on the tube. It's just a city that I'll never live in again. <laughs> it, it's because we've, we've done a whole uh, podcast episode about London because we love going to London. We love going to London for the day yeah. and it's a great place to go for the day. But after I'd lived there for a year, I think I was ready to leave and, and I did leave um, after a year. And I, I think one of the things is that when you're from the north, you, you say things in London and people don't understand you. I, not necessarily because of the accent. because the, So I remember going to a chippy and asked for a meat and potato pie. And they were like, looked at me like I was really strange because they hadn't really heard of one. As it offered me a Cornish yeah. pasty instead. Oh, got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've I've got a perhaps a, maybe a more serious question, and maybe this is to do with the sort of ups and downs of of sport that you've talked about as well, and maybe it's to do with stuff that maybe it's been in, in the news recently too. Is it possible to run elite sport in a way that doesn't leave individuals feeling damaged by the process? um no i don't think so i think i think it's really tough people think you have the best job in the world and you're doing what you love for a living and you and you are it is one of the best jobs in the world but it's it's hard it's mentally tough you know you, you have to get up you have to put the hard yards in and there are failures you know especially in cricket you fail more times than you succeed and, and that's just the way it is so um i think the sort of the downs that you have in professional sport, it's just part and parcel of it. And, and you sort of have to get used to the fact that it, it, it will happen. But do you think coaching needs to change in a way that doesn't leave people feeling destroyed and damaged and their mental health in, in tatters? So I, I watched a programme recently, there's a, there's a documentary of the England men's team of 10 years ago, that, which is on BBC iPlayer. And I just happened to watch it at, a few weeks ago and they they became number one in the world but loads of members of that team were just completely destroyed by the the culture um within in fact graham swan who you spoke to recently was part of that team and that setup so is it possible to be really really ultra successful without there being sort of major casualties on the way um i think naturally there's always going to be casualties because you you're playing elite sport and you're representing your country and there's going to be a time where you're not good enough and when you do get told that your whole world comes crashing down and there's no way anyone can stop 
the, you feeling the way that you do. No matter how many people tell you it will be all right, it's still going to hit you like a train wreck when it does happen. So I think naturally in professional sport, there are going to be casualties along the way. Yeah, and um, off the back of, I suppose, you being dropped from, dropped from England recently, um, you got one of the regional contracts. And how important for you has that been for you personally, but also um, especially for women's cricket? Um, personally, it's been fantastic. So in the past, if you lost an England contract, you sort of had to go and get a nine-to-five job because there was no other career option available. And luckily, I'm the first person that's lost an England contract and been given a regional contract. So... I'm incredibly lucky that I can now carry on playing cricket for a living. And for other people, I think it's brilliant that they can aspire to be professional cricketers and not have to make it to the very, very elite to be a professional. Um, We haven't had that in the past, obviously. And a lot of young girls will grow up now saying, well, I want to go and play cricket for Northwest Thunder. I want to play for the Storm. Whereas in the past, it was, if I'm going to get paid for this, I have to play for England. Um, so I think now it's a, a brilliant career option as well. Yeah, and that's got to that's got to increase the quality, hasn't it? When you've just got a bigger pool of people who it's their job to do it, then yeah, they're the going to get better, aren't they? The more people we can get training full time, the better English cricket's going to get. We only have to look at Australia and how brilliant they are at cricket and their second team that they are. You know, their Australia shooting stars. I think they're called. I can't remember off the top of my head. They they are a brilliant team and I think the more people in England we can get playing cricket the better we'll get we're just sort of a few years behind Australia because mm. because you're captain aren't you at, at, at Lancashire oh, well, well I don't know player. yet because oh, it depends oh. it depends if Crossy's going to steal it from me this summer so I don't know if she will or not I'm fingers crossed she won't but I think when she's here she'll be captain and when she's not I will be Wow, that's a dream team, though, isn't it? Well, yeah, but if not, she's taking my job away from me. So <laughs> but is is it quite difficult being captain? Because um, I, I it just watch. I actually did in research this. I watched some um, footage of the um, Rachel Hale Flint Trophy from last year. So I watched arduously sat and watched you uh, eke out fourteen not out at the end of a an innings, but. Um, it seems to me if I were captain, I'd be constantly thinking, oh, I'd forgotten that they haven't bowled yet. And how many overs have they done? And, and oh, oh, they're playing, aren't they? And, and, and things like that. That's where you need to delegate really well and you need somebody <laughs> to remind you. So my captain's tip is I never pick heads or tails. I ask somebody else to pick for me because then it's not my fault if we lose the toss. Um, <laughs> somebody else is fault getting it wrong. Um, and there has been times where I've forgotten about people and not bowled them, but your teammates just say, oh, you've forgotten about so-and-so. And I go, oh, yeah, I have. Like, and I think as long as you're honest as a captain and you're transparent and you are the best version of you, then nobody can fault you for that. And um, my mum, actually, she'll be smiling in the bedroom because she's just waiting for me to finish this. She said to me, be the captain you've always wanted to be captain by. Yeah. And I think that was the best bit of advice I ever had because... I always wish I'd been captained by someone who was more laid back and didn't wasn't too results focused. So that's been my sort of philosophy, so to say, is let's just enjoy it, go out there and remember why we first started playing. That's brilliant. And we want to talk about the Cricket World Cup. And um, we were there in the final. We uh, Oh, were you? We were, mm-hmm. uh, which was amazing. What happened is... Um, I've never been to a women's cricket match ever before. And at the 
uh, early in the season. Uh, just we, we love going to Lords, really. And so I was just looking what games were on at Lords and saw the Women's World Cup final was happening. This is before the tournament started. And, um, you know, it was on a Sunday in July and tickets were really cheap, like 10 quid for adults, virtually nothing for kids. So I said, well, let's have a day out at Lords. It'd be amazing. You know, who knows who's going to be in the final, but it'll be great. And yeah. then, of course, as the tournament went on, we, uh, it, well, you were there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are your memories of that tournament? Not so much the final, actually, the, the whole tournament, because I know um, the, it, the first game and the last game were against the, it was the same two sides, wasn't it, as England-India? And, and yeah. you lost the first game. Yes, yeah, so we went into that first game and we always went into that tournament as underdogs and we lost that first game quite heavily and it was sort of a, a wake-up call for us. Um, but when people say, what, what do you remember about that World Cup? It's all blurred into one. And it, it's sort of a time in my life where I absolutely loved it, but I can't remember specific moments because I was just so focused on the cricket and not the outside world. I was off social media, I was hardly on my phone. Um, and I was just so focused on the job in hand that I couldn't tell you even how many wickets I got or who I got out or um, what even really went on in that World Cup final. Um, I remember watching the final back this time last year or maybe in the summer, and I didn't even realise how close it was. And, and I didn't know at the time how close it was either. And I think it's just, I was so in the moment that sort of the memories looking back are slightly blurred. Yeah, and for me, so I didn't really follow women's cricket at that point, or just cricket in general. Um, but I remember the moment that England won, and um, everyone was like walking, walking around Lords, and everyone was clapping them. And I saw Anya Shrebsol, and I was almost crying because everyone was crying. And I, at that point, I thought, okay, like this is cool. I'm witnessing something really important. And um, I remember going back to school and there are loads and loads of um, Indian cricket fans at my school and I would tell them well well the England women's team are the best in the world at the moment and um, <laughs> being able to say that was was really special for me um, what has the impact of that World Cup final been um, on women's cricket in general but specifically England? I think our job during that World Cup was to inspire the next generation of, of cricketers and to hear you say that you walked away feeling the way you did. Well, for me, that's amazing and makes me so proud because that's sort of my job done. And, and people there, younger, younger girls there, now want to play cricket and have picked up a cricket bat since that World Cup like you have. And I think that's the main point and that's one of the main reasons that we play is to so-called inspire the next generation. And um, England have been fantastic. I know that if you were the under, under a certain age at that World Cup final, you got given a plastic bat and a ball just so that you could go and play cricket and practice cricket and I think that's done right and and to get more people playing cricket um and to play the standard of cricket we did um has got more and more girls and boys playing yeah we, we've still got our our cricket sets downstairs yeah. somewhere yeah <laughs> um uh, yeah absolutely uh, brilliant is it my question now I think I'll go on. So we've got um, some kind of shorter, more lighthearted questions. So who is the most famous person you've met who is also genuinely really nice? You know what? I can't... Oh, Glenn Maxwell. He is... I don't, I don't know if people class him as famous. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes. Is he an Australian cricketer? Yes. 
Um, and I'll show him quickly then, Maxwell. He is a diamond. He is a gem. Um, and, well, I'll class him as famous because he goes for millions in the IPL and, and we're good friends and it makes me extremely jealous. <laughs> but he's sort of one of the people that earns so much money through cricket and a multimillionaire that you just presume he'd be quite a snob and really think highly of himself. But um, he does in some ways, don't get me wrong, he's very confident, but he has a heart of gold as well. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, another question is, which reality TV show would you do and like how far would you go? Okay, I've always wanted to go on I'm a Celebrity and I'm not sure, is that a reality TV show? Yeah. So my goal in life is to get on I'm a Celebrity, so watch this space, your listeners heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got, this isn't on the list, but um, something occurred to me. It, is there a chance, do you think, in the future, the IPL could become a women's competition as well? So you mentioned Glenn Maxwell, the IPL. Is that going to happen for the women, do you think? And if so, would you go over to India and play for Chennai or, or whoever? I, I will not be playing for Chennai. That's Crossy's team. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, they've got five teams at the minute in India and they're all sort of, um, they're not franchise teams. It's sort of like a, um, a trial and they're, Oh, I think it might be even be three teams, sorry, it's three. And they just play each other twice. Um, there will be a women's IPL, it's, it's just when. I don't know if the BCCI are waiting for India to win a major tournament and going to jump on the back of that to sort of capitalise on that. Um, but yeah, there will be. And it's something I would absolutely love to play in. I am a massive IPL fan. Um, and the cricket in India is crazy. You know, you can play village cricket and there's 30,000 people watching. So it's always something I want to do. And if, and if I don't play... Fingers crossed I'll work on it in, in some way. Yeah, so how did you um, actually get into the commentating side and do you, do you prefer that to playing or and like what's kind of the future of that? Um, going to the commentating purely by chance, Isha Gua couldn't commentate a game and Henry Moran was like, do you fancy it? And I was like, go on then. So I gave it a go and loved it and just loved the fact that I could just talk about cricket because I'm a proper cricket badger. Um, so spoke about cricket, loved it. And it's it's something that I just sort of picked up and I've done more and more over the years. Um, and that's the next phase of my career. I think I want to go into sort of commentating, TV presenting, um, but I want to play for as long as I can first. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got a few questions from our listeners. So who is your favourite professional cricketer? Oh, I'm going to have to say Kate Cross, aren't I? Boring. <laughs> I'm good. If I don't, if I don't say her, she'll kill me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I think actually, I think your friendship with Kate is really, really significant, and I think one of the thing, reasons why your podcast is so successful, perhaps amongst people who don't really follow cricket, is that actually your friendship is really appealing. It's really, it's one of those things where you're modeling something which is really quite positive aren't you in that you're uh, laughing at each other and supporting each other and talking about real just real life stuff that everyone lives through as well so I think that's a really really significant thing so it's I'm really pleased to have my daughter listening to two um, women who are you know you're not old enough to be her parent but you're kind of this in-between generation aren't you where your kind yeah. of role model for how she might want to turn out in the future yeah and that that is like like makes me really proud that you say that because me and crossy sort of started this podcast because 
we thought we were really funny. So why doesn't everyone else think we're really funny? <laughs> and it's sort of snowballed and now it's like this really big thing. And we talk about important topics and we talk about professional sport, knowing that there's a human side to it as well. We're not just these people that you see on Twitter and Instagram and on the TV. We are human and, and we go through all these emotions that, that you will do at school. And I think it's really good to be relatable and just to sh- and to show off our friendship, really, because we really do care for each other as well. Yeah, I mean, over lockdown, I love like every Friday just listening to it because it was it was just one of those things where I knew it was going to happen. I knew what time it would come out and it was just a nice thing to look forward to in the week. And yeah, it's very funny as well. Um so yeah, what is the best game of cricket you've ever watched, either in person? Well, uh, yeah, actually in person. Best game of cricket I've ever watched. Gosh, I don't know. Oh, the oh World Cup final, um, two thousand twenty, the one out in Australia, India. Was it India Australia? It was. It's the best one. I can't even remember it. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so sorry, I've had a mind. It's been the longest year ever, hasn't it? <laughs> So I think that was the best game because of the amount of people that were there. 86,000 people at a women's cricket game. Like it's never been seen before. Um, and I was actually lucky enough to stand out in the middle when they were doing the toss and sort of just to look around at all these people. And I, it was really overwhelming and really special. And, and it sort of made me proud that I was still part of women's cricket. That's brilliant. Um, I think that's all our questions. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Um, thank you so much for your time. That no is, problem it, at all. It is it, absolutely brilliant to uh, to listen to you. And uh, if I, I heard you, you're doing a podcast later, aren't you, with, um, uh, now who, who is it from, uh, from Channel 4? Um, uh, Simon Hughes. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm doing that at 7 o'clock, I think. And I think it's a live podcast. I think people tune in. I'm not actually sure how it works. <laughs> I just said yeah, yeah I'll do it so me and Crossy are doing it together so who knows she's down in London she's been commentating on the England game today so hopefully she's back in time or I'll be stood there on my own <laughs> all the best for, mm-hmm. for the, the year ahead you know and we're hoping to to get to see some, you know, we're, we're based in Birmingham so uh, we're hoping to see uh, definitely some games um, obviously support Manchester originals see this is the thing we, we had this conversation with Crossy because I feel I feel slightly torn do I support Manchester do I support Birmingham but for no other sport I, like, I don't support Birmingham for any other sport so I was like okay I can get away with supporting Manchester yeah so Polly sports right. Preston North End at football because that's where I'm from and I when I was growing up I was a member at Lancashire County Cricket Club and would go and watch them play Therefore, so it, it makes sense to support us. Exactly. Yeah, but if we actually want to go and see a game, we'd have to travel yeah. <laughs> 200 mile round yeah. trip. All right, well, I'll let you off. You can support both for this. this <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thank you really? very much for having me on. Yeah, thanks, Alex. That's brilliant. No problem. See you later. Okay, bye bye. You've been listening to the Naughty Child podcast with me, Richard, and me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. And we just want to say a massive thank you to Alex Hartley for joining us for this episode of the Naughty Child podcast. She was amazing, wasn't she? Yeah. Um, And to give up her time when she's moving house as well (laughs) um, is amazing. And yeah, we, we think Alex is amazing. 
um, and she's a very big inspiration, great role role model for so many people. Um, and yeah, we're glad that um, she's inspiring the next generation of um, young cricketers to to get involved with the sport. Yeah, so that's been absolutely brilliant. So if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please follow us on whichever streaming platform you're listening on and follow us on Instagram at Naughty Child Podcast. Thank you.